0: Appetite for anything about imagination, anything that is as far away from reality as is creatively possible. The wise words of the great Steven Spielberg kicks off today's episode of the Second Day Film Podcast. It's the official podcast of the Second Day Film Club. It is Thursday, December 3rd, 2020. I'm your host, Brandon Champion. Happy holidays to everyone out there as we flip the calendar to December. I cannot believe we've reached December in what has certainly been a trying year. I don't think there's uh, much doubt about that. But happy to be here for a little escape, ready to talk movies. And I'm joined today by two people who I know are always willing to escape down the rabbit hole. That is cinema.
1: Uh, Evan Dean is back again. Two shows in a row, bro. Are you feeling okay? You know, they call this a streak in Deanland over here down in the sunshine state <laughs> um yeah i'm doing well um it's getting like ice cold down here though we got into the 40s last night and uh i'm just gonna be honest it never gets into the 40s in southwest florida so fortunately we got some sun and some like 70 72 degree weather today but i don't know guys i mean pretty chilly down here
0: the snowbirds are pissed they're all like <laughs> what, the, what is this i came down here for this for 45 degrees, like, where's my parka? That's what they're saying right now. Maybe in, like, a little more, like, old school style. Oh, well,
1: no, no doubt. I was out on a story yesterday, and we were on the water in a canal area, and a guy, it was, like, in the 60s, and the guy had, like, he went through on his boat and all of his floaties, and I'm just thinking, oh, man, that's one of those guys who came down here one week all year and is probably just pissed. uh
0: mike nichols is also here and i know he's excited because our listeners uh also known as evil people uh have given you the go-ahead to talk about your latest passion project and no it's not your debut screenplay that we're all eagerly awaiting uh about your beloved robin hood but but some absurd baking show on netflix uh and people hate themselves so much that they want you to review it so mike we are a podcast of the people. Uh, you've got a few minutes, Max. So so go ahead and tell us about this Abomination cookie show on Netflix.
2: So thank you to all the evil people out there. Um, we love you. And uh, I just want to say that because I'm being given the chance to do this, I'm going to do it right. And I believe that the request was, if I do this, I have to do this in an attempted British accent. So <laughs> I, have, I have written... Yeah. I've written a little something I'd like to say, and I've Mm. spent the last couple minutes um, watching a certain British actor um, and just trying to pick up on his voice so I can do some kind of imitation of it. And I'll let you guess at the end who the voice was that I was doing, and I will will tell you who it was when I'm done. But I just ask for your patience, and I ask for you to sit back and enjoy why you should wa- Why you should check
3: out The Great British Bake Off Alright, you ready? Here we go Alright, The Great British Bake Off is to reality TV what wishbone is to literature an adorable, educational and wholesomely abridged introduction to something we should all love The Great Gr- British Bake Off also known as The Great British Baking Show on US streaming platforms ingests some actual feel-good charm into the reality TV game show format. Every season, we follow a group of ordinary working-class bakers as they are each are given new baking challenges (laughs) from from classy, parentally friendly, but still judgy judges. Whoever makes the best cake slash jello cake slash Scottish cookie slash rainbow bagel that week goes on and whoever makes the worst is set home. Now, you're probably wondering, Mike, mate, really, why this show? Well, let me tell you something, fans of the Second Day Film Podcast. This show will make you believe food has personality. The bakes are neck-turning. Delicious bakes that will make your mouth water and make you say, I'm going to learn to bake that, governor. It's just fun to watch food. And it's true. Since watching the show... I myself and millions of others have improved our baking skills. I've even baked my last Thanksgiving meal all on me own. All the contestants are bloody supportive and friendly. Gone is the BS reality TV where all the drama is turned up for no good reason and you just watch people act like total uh, assholes to each other. No, not in this show. Everyone is just lovely, charming, funny, and their anxiety will relate to your anxiety. And when it gets emotional... Well mate, it gets emotional This quarantine season is the one I started on What a great group What a great finish and what a great season to start with Go watch that latest one on Netflix now So, if you want fun Positive energy From low stakes shows where you get to watch Nice people make good food in a tent This is the bloody show for you Cheers
0: (laughs) Alright bro Congratulations, nice work Uh, I'm a little disappointed you didn't say buttery Oh, I wanted to hear you say buttery at
3: well, least once
0: or
1: twice.
3: Buttery, so yes.
1: so I, I I'm I'm going to guess like a like a burly Michael Caine, like a like yeah. a grizzly, like rough around the edges Michael Caine, less sophisticated yeah. Michael Caine. That's my guess.
2: you I definitely close. got. you I, I definitely got. In, it was someone in a movie or movie series with Michael Caine.
1: Okay, it's uh. It's gotta be uh it's gotta be the
2: Batman. That was Christian Bale.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got I got
0: Mike O'Kay as well. But yeah. it, nice work, Mike. That was that was that was pretty entertaining, I gotta say. I just, as skeptical as I was, that was entertaining, I gotta I just, say.
2: I've watched a lot of Christian Bale interviews recently because he's one of my favorite actors, and I was just like I think the only British voice I would know how to do would be Christian Bale's, and I'm like, great! I'm gonna do the Great British Bake Off in Batman's. (laughs) I'm about to sound
0: really, really stupid, but Mike, I guess Christian Bale's such a good actor. I didn't even know he was British. (laughs) Really? I feel yeah. I, I honestly didn't know because he takes so many so many different roles on, and I don't really watch like actors when they're not in movies. Like, I guess I never realized he was British. I mean, he
1: sound that's oh, yeah. a British name, obviously, but like, the, the yeah. Presti- the Prestige, he uh, gets to play his true self as that movie takes place in London. So when I saw The Prestige, I knew, okay, hes he's, he, you know, that's when I was tipped off that he might be British. have
0: mm. you seen him in so many different things, you know. It's yeah, like, it's you, know, he played, yeah. uh, you know, in, in the uh, movie where he played, uh, Chaney a couple of years ago, and then he was in the the Ford versus Ferrari where he's playing in the mayor. He just plays so many different roles, you know. Okay. So uh, I feel like we're getting I
2: feel like we're getting off track into Christian Bale and not into <laughs> questions about the Great British Bake Off. Do you guys have any questions before we move on?
0: What's the best thing you've baked since you started watching this show?
2: Um. Honestly, like nothing baking, like turkey, but really that was kind of more cooking. But so, you, have to like, you have to put it in the oven for a long time, and I, I'd never done that before. If,
1: if I can interject briefly, um, I, I am not a pumpkin pie fan. I think it's boring and plain. So I took it upon myself for our Thanksgiving to make a pumpkin type dessert. I made a pumpkin cheesecake crumble pie. And.
2: Wow. It, it was nice delicious.
1: L- look on my Instagram for a photo. It was good. What the hell? The only thing you ever made me is frozen pizzas. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> when I, you know, hey, when you put your mind to something,
2: you know, you can do it, but, you know, I mean, come on. you know,
1: Exactly. Frozen I, I, pizza is a, is a favorite of mine, but still.
2: Dude, some of the stuff <laughs> that people make on this show, though, it's like, these these are things like you've never even heard of. And then when they bring them out, you're like, oh, wow, that looks amazing. And it looks just... Oh, like, the yeah. stuff they make is just, it's visually appealing, too. Like, they like the cakes, the, the bakes, like, they all just look so good. Um, it's a visual feast, the show. No pun intended.
0: Let me just say, Mike, I, I will give you a little credit here. My wife also loves this show. She watches it constantly, and I have caught a couple episodes. And I do understand what you're saying, where it's like, it does. It is a very wholesome, feel-good show. Like Everyone's so peppy. Everyone's so delightfully British. They're saying British things. They're just so happy to be baking in their little non-air-conditioned sweat box of a tent. And, uh, you know, I, I, it is charming. I'll say that. That being said, I'm not going to sit there and watch seven seasons of people making cookies. Like, no. I'm just not doing it. But we appreciate your insight. We do. And are you happy now you got to review it?
2: Yes. Yes, I am. All right. Good job,
0: Mike. Say thank you to the listeners.
2: Thank you, listeners, and sorry, Christian
0: Bale. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's move on, fellas. Uh, I I do want to remind you, please... uh, if you want to get more interaction with us to check out our Facebook page at the second day film podcast, Uh, Mike put something out there and uh, there was some decent response to people wanting him to review the great British baking show. And that's why we gave him uh, the opportunity to do it because you know what? We are a podcast for the people. We listen to our listeners. We're not one of those massive podcasts that has millions of people writing in. No, we have like 12 people writing in. So we're happy to listen and do whatever the hell you want us to do. So we're at least
2: 11 other people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, check
0: out check out the Facebook page. Check us out on Twitter at Second A Film. Follow us on Instagram at Second A Film Podcast. If you want to hear some of our old episodes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud. Um, that, those are really the main three spots to get it. And we would really appreciate you checking it out and giving us a rating or review on any place that you listen to podcasts is also extremely helpful to help us grow this podcast. And this is the only place you're going to get reviews of the great British baking show. Like no one else is taking time for this. So, uh, you know, yeah. help us out, will you? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, moving forward, we're going to review three films on today's podcast. Two of them have a Christmas theme to them. You know, it's December. Uh, it's been a long year. People are looking for, you know, wholesome, feel-good movies to watch that have the holiday flair to them, and I think we have two that are available on Netflix that all three of us liked quite a bit, and I think you will, too. But first, uh, before we get into Happy Zone, we're going to delve a little bit into something a little more depressing with a film called Hillbilly Elegy. Uh, it is a 2020 film directed by the great Ron Howard, uh, recently premiered on Netflix. The Plot Summary on IMDb, an urgent phone call puts a Yale law student back to his Ohio hometown where he reflects on three generations of family history and his own future. As I said, directed by Ron Howard and based on the book by J.D. Vance, who is also a character in the movie, uh, played by Gabriel Brasso. Uh, but we also have Amy Adams and Glenn Close, Haley Bennett, Frida Pinto of Slumdog Millionaire fame. It was nice to see her again. And also Bo Hopkins and Owen Estel- Estelos, uh, he plays the young, the young JD Vance. But, uh, me and Mike both watched this movie today. It, it did have some Oscar, bu- Oscar buzz early on, um... Not sure it's going to hold uh, that buzz. We'll get into that here in a second. Um, but, Mike, this should be fresh in your mind. Uh, what's your first reaction to Hillbilly Elegy?
2: My first reaction is mixed. Um, and this is also a, a film where I think it's probably valuable to have read the book as well. Because the, the, the memoir by J.D. Vance, like that also generated a lot of interest and, and discussion about the whole idea of Middletown, Ohio, Middle America... And um, you know the whole perspective on growing up in a dysfunctional family in the Midwest. Um, but uh, so I, I kind of like wished I had read the book too. But um, I can say that the movie um, it'll it'll be kind of hit and miss with some people, and maybe even certain moments of it will be hit and miss. Um, I think the strength to the movie is definitely some of the acting we get from you know people like. Glenn Close, Amy Adams, and um, Gabriel, Gabriel Basso, I think is his name. Um, but mm-hmm. then, you know, some of, the, some of the directing styles of Ron Howard, who I love and is a great director, um, it just felt like a little bit unnecessarily, like, forced sappy at certain points. Like, you know, you're following kind of the flashbacks of this young man who is uh, at Yale, and he's trying to get this uh, law internship for this job. And then he needs to go back uh, to go help out his mom, who's, uh, you know, she's had a, a recent, like, fall back into drugs. And so then as it's figuring out him, trying to figure out how to help his mom um, in her relapse, like, it's then also kind of going back and forth between the childhood that he had um, with his, his mama, Glenn Close, and uh, his mother, Amy Adams. And what the film does... Um, in terms of trying to explore poverty and explore abuse in this family, I think some of those moments get a little... The messaging gets a little mixed. And it's not really... Um, it's just not really clear what it's necessarily trying to say about these people. Um, and if you're supposed to feel a certain way during the scene or if you're which character you're supposed to feel for, I think some of that gets a little confusing, especially given the way the characters are treating each other and treating the children. Uh, but then at the end, I actually did think it built like very emotionally well like when when the son finally makes the decision on how he's going to move forward in his life and he has a really long conversation on the drive with his girlfriend where he just kind of finally reveals like what his family is like and he has this emotional kind of exploration of what he wants to do next like how he wants to really make new choices with his life that built into a really positive like not just message but really positive emotional connection with the story so um, yeah, I guess I, I would say I, ha- I have more thoughts on it, but I overall I had some kind of mixed feelings with it. What about you?
0: I agree, mixed feelings, and I, I liked what you said about where it seems like this movie has mixed messaging. It definitely feels sort of soap opery right off the bat. I mean, there's like this melodramatic music playing before we even really know the characters. The movie doesn't really let you settle in before it starts like tossing everything at you. All these melodramatic. Family drama, domestic violence, disputes, stuff like that. It doesn't really let you settle in before it starts throwing it at you, like basically across two timelines. And the thing I don't understand much, and I think maybe I disagree with you a little bit about the ending, is that the movie spent, we spend the entire time watching this movie and I think we're supposed to feel bad for like Amy Adams character who played, who's played by the mom and I think we're supposed to maybe have some empathy for her, but she's such an unlikable person. Like, I don't really feel sympathy for her at any point. Like, she's not a good person. I I don't really feel anything for her. And then the mixed messaging with J.D., where, like, this entire movie, we're watching bad things happen, and he doesn't really ever turn the corner with his mom. He just kind of accepts that she's not a good influence in his life, and she, he doesn't really... Like the whole movie is negative stuff happening. It's basically like a long series of domestic violence incidents, domestic disputes. And then at the very end of the movie, they try and flip this switch where they try and end and leave the movie on like this uplifting note. But the entire movie is such a damn slog. It doesn't really support that idea. So I don't really know what it's going for.
2: Yeah. I mean, there's definitely moments where some of the, like some of the, the way that the moment is framed, like emotionally, with the music and with the storytelling, you're like, I'm not really sure if they're trying to tell me that it was a good thing that this character did that, because I personally didn't feel like. For example, there, there was two scenes that instantly come to mind. One is the scene where, as a, as a as a young as a teenager, like his grandma's like, Hey, you need to give your mom the clean urine, because um, her, her mom comes in and it's like, Hey, I need clean urine, like, and please give it to me, or I might lose my job. And he's like, No, I'm not giving you clean urine, mom. It's your own choice, your own responsibility. And the grandma comes in is like, no, give your mom clean urine. You know, maybe she'll change this time because family's the only thing that matters. Like and there's probably just like, um, nope. Like that's if that's the message for that, hey, you need to like support your addictive parent in their habits and that hopefully that love will make them change. Uh I'm not sure that's that's a good message to be showing kids in a movie. Like, I I don't really (laughs) think that's that's the way and similar with another scene where, uh, it's right after the mom has like, they've paid for the mom's rehab and then she just storms out. They're like what? Like mom, why are you behaving this way? She's screaming at them. Like, and then the brother and sister start arguing about it. like She always does this, what she always does. And sister's like, well, you know, you don't know the whole story. Like grandpa used to do stuff to grandma and it was hard for mom as a kid too. And it's like, well that like, yeah, it, I think it, it's trying to give those moments where what Amy Adams character uh, Bev has been through, like we should have some sympathy for her. But in a moment like that, it's like, yeah, but her, what happened to her in her past should not be an excuse for her to continue unhealthy behavior and dysfunction. Especially when she's now dumping it on her own kids. It's like, I guess yeah, we need sympathy, it, it, but you're it's you're not really building it for me in this moment. And I think the messaging is almost getting a little, uh, frankly, distorted if that's what you're trying to build. So I don't know. Um,
0: yeah. It's it's going through, two, like, I think there's two main themes that the movie is trying to do. Like, clearly they're trying to illuminate uh, or give us an insight of poverty in Appalachia and sort of backcountry America. Uh, and I don't know if they're trying to, like, tribute it or s- sort of give us insight into that world. But it really just feels like this movie's perpetuating stereotypes about the poor. It doesn't really have anything to say about the plight or their plight or how they got there. Feels kind of exploitive. And then the other main theme that I think this movie is trying to go for is there's something in here about, you know, the American dream and how, you know, families try and live and and strive and young people try and strive to do something. And, you know, it's always achieved in different ways. But I think it sort of looks at, you know, the idea of the American dream from like a skeptical standpoint where it's like, if you're stuck in this cycle of poverty over and over again, it could be considered a farce that you could ever escape it. But then by the end of the movie, they make it seem like he has escaped it and he's going to be successful in life. And it's because of how he was shaped. It's just really conflicted this whole movie. Like I I don't understand really what it's going for, what the messages we're supposed to take out of it. And I think that's honestly like the biggest flaw of it. Like what, what is the point?
2: (laughs) Well the movie's also like it's kind of mixed between the way people feel about it too. So on Rotten Tomatoes the the critical score is 25%, audience score is 81%. So that's like that's an indicator that it's definitely like hitting different spots with different people in different ways which kind of shows that there's something a little uneven about the way it's probably you
3: know.
0: Well I think I think you know the movie like it it's it's entertaining enough to watch and that's mostly because you have Amy Adams and Glenn Close, who are and Brasso's good as the as the grown up uh, JD, but you know you have Amy Adams and Glenn Close. I mean that that's a lot of star power, and they give good performances. I particularly think Glenn Close is a is a standout as the grandma, the the mima, the mama, or whatever they call her in Appalachia. I mean, I think her performance in this is fantastic. Is like this flawed, but ultimately good influence on his life really one of the only true good influences in his life who's really trying to push him to get out of this cycle of poverty even though she has fallen into their own traps and done the opposite of the things she's telling him she's able to have the wherewithal and the knowledge to know that she doesn't want him to make the mistakes that she's made in her life. And I just think Glenn Close perfectly captures that. And I do feel empathy for her. I do feel empathy for what's happened to her in her life. Whereas Amy Adams, even though she's giving a good performance, I just don't feel for her. She's just a bad person. And I don't know if that's Amy Adams' performance, where maybe she just played it a little bit too close to being a bad person or what. But I just didn't really vibe with that character
2: uh evan you got any questions for us about this movie
1: um no i mean so from what i've just heard um prior to to you guys talking was that the book itself was revered and then the the film was kind of a letdown in relation so i'd be curious to see what kind of message the 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 book and the writer was trying to hammer home and perhaps it was more clear um i will say you know i think in general in life um let's just be honest here people who are in a cycle in families of poverty uh it is so much more likely that we see those people follow in that path than actually somehow break out of it and it's inspiring when they do but it's so so much less likely mm-hmm. so i don't know if that kind of addresses that it sounds like he does you know he does become one of the few that breaks out but that's that's not typically how it goes in america it's just the reality of it
0: he does break out but we don't really understand how or why (laughs) that's that's part of the issue i i can can totally i just want to say first gross he went to ohio state i just want to say that the character went to ohio state as an undergrad (laughs) before going to yale um but and the other thing i want to say mike is i can totally relate to one of the opening scenes when he's at like this awkward, overly fancy, like networking dinner with like people oh, for yeah. potential jobs. Oh my God. I, when I was, when I was a business reporter back in the day, they used to make me go to this thing called business for breakfast, which started at like 6 AM and I had to go like rub elbows with all the, the big wigs in town and just yeah. like sit at a table and eat breakfast with them and make small talk. And, oh my God, it was terrible where you just like, you don't know what to say you don't know what's appropriate. You don't know what to do with all the forks. Like I could totally relate to that. That gave me some PTSD.
2: (laughs) Oh yeah. That scene in particular, but there's a lot about his character that I, like I found myself connecting with. And I think that was a good performance from him as well. But Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, overall I I think I would give this one a, probably a C plus just because I I felt really confused by the emotional pacing of it. Um, But uh, yeah, definitely a subject to focus on. I mean, I think there's a lot of people that will watch it and, They'll, they'll see some, maybe some of their own family experiences in there, but, um, you know, then what does it do with those experiences? I'm not sure it tells the best story, but, uh, you know, it's worth gave
0: I gave it a six, too, just because I think, you know, it's entertaining enough to watch. You can tell there's talent uh, behind the camera and there's talent in front of the camera. Um, and, you know, that it has maybe some interesting things to say. I just think the messaging was mixed. And uh, clearly, you know, professional critics, quote unquote, are, are not feeling this at all. I think some of them had an issue with how... Uh, It was presenting, you know, poverty and how poor people live. And I think it just kind of they felt more like it was exploiting it than actually having something unique to say about it, which is something that the book did really well just from reading about it on the outside. I'm more of just a generic note. um, Ron Howard, who is one of, you know, the best directors of our generation, I would say, um, he's been a little sketchy lately. With his movies, you know, he had the the Angels and Demons and the Inferno, you know, Solo had mixed reviews. Uh, I liked In the Heart of the Sea quite a bit. But, you know, it, it's interesting how Ron Howard appears to have maybe lost his touch a little bit. Or maybe he's just taking on wrong the wrong projects. I mean, do either of you guys have a, a thought on that? Because lately he's had a lot of misses. <laughs>
1: uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I... I have honestly, I don't think I've seen some of his, his, his as much of his later stuff as you guys have. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I remember watching American Graffiti in a film class at CMU, and you know, kind of was introduced to Ron Howard, and um, so obviously he's done a lot of great work. But yeah, I mean, I, it, look, if the reviews are are you know if those critic reviews are accurate, then you're right. He's kind of falling off a ledge a little, or a, you know, falling off a, a hill a little bit. Yeah. Did we review solo? Who who reviewed solo? Was that you, Evan, or Mike? What was that? We we did. Yeah, we 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 watched it and reviewed it. We, I mean, I think we. I thought it was okay. I mean, I think I gave it like a a six or a seven, something like that. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I wasn't too impressed with solo. Or yeah, I mean, he's got some. I love some. Like Apollo thirteen is an amazing movie. Uh, oh, everyone, right. I mean, he's amazing about Willow, which he did. Um, I mean,
0: Backdraft, yeah, How Silver, the, uh, Beautiful Mind, Beautiful Cinderella Mind, Man, Cinderella frost Man. Nixon, yeah. Rush. I mean, he's he's had good movies, but it, none of them have come lately. It seems.
2: <laughs> yeah, the last couple so. of his films haven't been my favorite. Um, but uh, you know, I'm still hopeful. Um, I'm still hopeful that uh, there's still more good to come from him. I mean, granted, none of us have any have ever directed any you know multi million dollar films, so. But, Don't uh, give
0: this to me, Mike. This is like when people yell at me for comparing my for criticizing professional quarterbacks.
1: Like we're judging him against other professionals, not ourselves. That's you true. Know? And and I want to I want to correct myself because he's been he's been in cinema so long. No, American Graffiti was a George Lucas. He acted film. in it, oh, but he was in it. Yeah. yeah, he's been obviously in several good films, and you're right. He has directed several good films as well. But that was early on mm-hmm. before he was really. In well, life. Andy was. I you know, love he that was, movie.
2: <laughs> he was, o- oh, he was Opie from Andy Griffith Show. He was in Happy Days. He's the narrator and producer of Arrested Development. I mean, Ron Howard has left a huge legacy in television and film but uh yeah the, well, last the movies he's directed have not been my favorite that's
3: true well that, that's
0: my only point i mean he's obviously a great creative director and i just think you know maybe like that's why we hold him to a higher standard and that's why maybe people are like what the hell ron why why aren't these movies better so uh anyway yeah. let's move I mean, we can move on i mean we got some other stuff to get to but that's hillbilly elegy it's on netflix right now you can check it out all right that was too depressing, guys. It is it is December. We need to embrace the holiday spirit. Uh, it is the holidays. It's been a tough year, but you know what? Christmas just has a way, or at least in my eyes, December has a way of bringing out some good vibes, or you know, makes me feel wholesome, makes me feel comfy and cozy. Um, so we wanted to seek out uh, some holiday movies for December. Um, and the first one uh, we want to talk about is. Klaus, it came out uh, in 2019. It is an animated film directed by uh, Spanish directors Sergio Pablos and Carlos Martinez-Lopez. The plot summary, a simple act of kindness always sparks another, even in a frozen, faraway place. When Smirenberg's new postman, Jesper, befriends toymaker Klaus, their gifts melt an age-old feud and deliver a sleigh full of holiday traditions. Um, as I this film stars the voice talents of Jason Schwartzman, J.K. Simmons, Rashida Jones, Will Sasso, um, Sergio Pablos, Joan Cusack, Norm McDonald. So, really solid uh voice cast here for this movie that um came out last year and somehow missed my radar. Um, Mike, I think you, you this is one of your favorites, but Evan, we haven't really heard from you so far. Um, and you watched this recently, so what are some of your initial thoughts
1: about Klaus? Well, I guess um, before I get into it, given the, given the plot description and the name of the film, how much do we want to get into kind of how this unfolds? I mean, do we want to go and just... Kind of spoil it because yeah. it's already kind of suggesting yeah. what's happened. Okay. It's a year old. Um, I don't know. I, I I love, I love this film. I loved it. And um, first off, it looks really good. Um, it's got, I think, a distinct animation style. Um, and that's tough to do because we've seen it all in animation. And yet, you know, the way that uh, it was done, it felt unique uh, it's it's a very quirky film. That's kind of a word that kept popping in my head as as I watched it. Um, but I think that as it goes and and you start with you start with kind of a you start with a postman and a toy maker. you can kind of figure where this is going, um, given that one of the characters is Klaus. And I thought that honestly, the best part in the film and the part that gave me the most laughs um, was, you know it's it's essentially an origin story for santa claus and and along the way you learn as this film tells it you learn how santa claus came to be um and there's so many good pockets of humor there and heartfelt um you know moments like you know you got you got to be good if you want to get gifts um you know the story behind how that came to be and the reindeer flying, the story behind how that came to be. You know, all of this are things that kids have experienced and they kind of create the legend of Santa Claus through these two characters, our two main characters. And I just kind of like kept finding myself thinking, that's just so clever, you know, um, because the legend and the lore of Santa um, was created from kind of more realistic, humble beginnings of course till you get to the end of the the film which then gets a little bit more mystical but uh, i just thought it was so clever and so fun and such a quirky unique approach to santa claus and in the way in which it told um why he came to be in 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 all these different aspects of santa claus it was just a fun way of revealing that because you kind of got it as we went along well in the in the I love that this film like basically starts from scratch
0: in explaining how Santa Claus came to be, which, you know, it's, you know, we've had so many movies about Santa Claus over the years and so many movies about this. I think it's impressive that you can you can come up with a unique origin story that has its own very distinct style that is something fresh and original. I mean, like
3: we have yeah. had
0: so many different stories like this and this movie somehow manages to sort of create its own world and thrust you into it really quick it's like this fictional i don't know like 19th 20th 19th century world that is sort of like this nondescript unique world in this fictional place mm-hmm. and they somehow make it feel real you know like i i got a mm-hmm. lot of it was a great retelling of the Christmas story. I mean, like, yeah, I got a, I, I got a lot of Grinch vibes in the way where, you know, the story with our main character, Jesper, you know, you, you I think what I loved a lot about this movie is that his journey in the movie, you know, throughout a lot of it, he has selfish motivations, right? Like it's this movie's more about where you end up on the journey more so than how you get there. In other words, like his motivations at the start are really influenced by selfishness They're influenced by him just trying to get to where he wants to go. And even though like he took maybe like a little bit of a shaky path to get there, he ends up in the right place in the end. And I think that's s- sort of what this movie is trying to say is that like, you know, like nobody's perfect. Everyone's flawed, but everyone is capable of good. And, you know, we see that from the characters in the movie. Even the side characters, the villagers, and we see that through the main characters in uh, uh, the teacher. I, I, I can't remember her name, but also in Klaus, who's experienced loss and he comes around and, and also in Jasper and the way that he meets the end in it. It really just has a good vibe to it. It really captures the holiday spirit well. And I think that's the key thing in, in when you're trying to make a holiday movie. Does it capture that vibe that you need to make people feel good? And I think this movie did.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, it, it also goes to say, you know, sometimes where, you know, even if, even if a, an act of kindness doesn't really start in a genuine way, but it's perceived or received as an act of kindness, it can trigger an entire community, in this case, to um, break, you know, break years and years of bitterness and of feuds and you know find common ground, and so I think that you know there's there's some of the Christmas spirit theme, and that and that's sometimes as simple as I mean what's what's Christmas all about? It's about giving and kindness, and in this case, even though Jesper's motivation, as you said, originally wasn't good, he kind of triggered this chain reaction that led everybody else to do good. Um And you know, I, I just thought it was was really fun. What did you think, Mike? What was kind of your uh, initial takeaways from it.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I just echo everything you guys have already said. Like, what a, it's a feel-good movie. It's it's clever, charming. Um, the Storytelling is just on point with the writing. Uh, two things I'll just add to it is that uh, one thing I really loved about the way this was a, a re, retelling of the Santa Claus legend is that even though it takes, like, the more grim, um, brooding, like, setting to retell the Santa story, like, a lot of times... Like happier, more colorful stories get like retold in the grim, you know, darker, more realistic way or whatever. Nothing about like the Claws character, like the actual Santa guy, nothing about him is ever really dark in terms of his character. He's always honorable, he's always like good hearted, he always is strong, and he always is someone who does the right thing. And that's something that I liked about the retelling that even though maybe the setting was darker and maybe the the whole plot of it took a little bit of a a more grim twist the the actual character stayed true and that was what was like really endearing is that who santa really was doesn't change like it's still really true to who santa claus is Mm -hmm. um it also made me really hungry for more of the animation style one thing i was so impressed with it was how visually just gorgeous and stunning it was and i did a little bit of research on it and What they actually did was that they did do the animation of the 2D process and then they did the 3D modeling for the characters and some of the objects, they combined them and then they did all the lighting the same as 2D. So all the 3D stuff was lit in the same way 2D was and that's why Klaus looks so unique and so spectacular. I cannot wait to see more movies done by those kind of animators. It, It just, I'm really excited because I love that traditional feel. But I love like mm-hmm. the effects of what the modern CGI can bring. Mm-hmm. See them both together was just perfection. It was so good, and I can't wait to see more movies done like that. This is just a visual was- feast for your eyes.
0: It's it's funny. I like that you bring that up because I was reading about it, and this idea was originally conceived in like the '90s, when the uh, the creator was. I mean, he was involved in the in the golden age of Disney, so mm-hmm. he has a, a hand drawn, traditional background. And you can really see that shine through in this movie like you can see that it has those traditional vibes to it, while still using the modern technology. And you mentioned, you know, the the shadows and the color. That was the other thing I loved about this movie is how it used sort of color and shade to represent the vibe and the tone of the story at yeah. different points in the story so like at the start everything is drab and glum and brown and gray and it's just like it's like what the hell am i watching this movie's depressing like what is this this is just weird Like, it it feels weird when you first start watching it. Yeah, it almost feels like like morbid and creepy. But then as the movie progresses and the Christmas spirit starts to creep in through our main character and through the people in the village, color starts to flood the village. Color starts to flood the world. Uh, The Boatman character, played by uh, Norm MacDonald, his face at the start is like pale white. But if you see his face at the end of the movie, when he convinces uh, Jesper's dad to let him stay, it's full of color. It's full of like life. And I think that this movie does a fantastic job of representing what's happening in the plot by changing the color scheme and the color palette of, you know, the village and the town that we're in throughout it. And I I thought that was really clever use of color.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I also think too, you know, I'll be honest, there were points, you know, and I always am Marvel when an animated film can kind of, hit you emotionally and if you would have told me that a film an animated film was going to get into you know dive so deep into the origin of Santa as to reveal like family loss and I mean I'd think okay that's a little ridiculous here but I worked I felt yeah, and totally. I and it, and it got to me and what he's experienced and what brought him to um the point at which he met Jasper I just thought it all worked and it, it could have not. I feel like this was a movie that if it wasn't, if it didn't hit right, it could have been just weird and bad, but it hit right. And so it was quirky and really good. Do you guys remember the great mooning of 86? <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. That stuff too. Yeah. That was hilarious. So much, so much comedy. I mean, I don't know when the kid sees, like I said, I already mentioned when the kid sees, they fly, you know, they, they're they flying in this sled off of the, the launch area and there he sees the reindeer over the moon and that begins the whole tale. I mean, it's just like, you know, it's just, you know, he, he, you know, Santa's too big to get down the chimney, but, you know, it's not him. It's Jesper, the skinny guy. So I just thought it so much clever and humor and it was fun. What uh, what grade would you give it? I ended up giving it an 8 out of 10, which is pretty high uh, for me, but I liked it that much. I Same. Give, I give it an 8 out of 10 as well.
2: I give it an A+. I mark it higher than you guys. I think this is a new Christmas classic, and I'm looking forward to maybe, uh, I don't know how, since we'll all be uh, you know, social distancing this year, but sometime, like I hope this becomes a new family watch for us for Christmas. This is a good good Christmas movie.
0: Well, that's Klaus. It's on Netflix, so if you have Netflix, you can check it out. I think it'd be a great movie to watch uh, with your family because it has—it's really fun. It's wonderfully animated. It has a wonderful message, and uh, yeah, it just—it just vibes Christmas for sure. So uh, check it out on Netflix. All right, from from one new uh, modern Christmas classic to potentially another one is going to be the final film review on today's episode of the Second Day Film Podcast here on December third. It's called Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey. This is another Netflix film. Uh, this one's directed by David E. Talbert. It tells the, st- uh, the plot summary, An imaginary world comes to life in a holiday tale of an eccentric toy maker, his adventurous granddaughter, and a magical invention that has the power to change their lives forever. This film stars uh, a slew of really talented actors, including Forrest Whitaker, Kegelman, Keegan-Michael Key, Hugh Bonneville, uh, Anika Noni-Rose, Madeline Mills, Felicia Rashad, Ricky Martin, Justin Cornwell. Um, So solid, solid cast here for this Christmas spectacle, I would call it, that in my eyes sort of came out of nowhere when it appeared on Netflix. Um, So, Mike, uh, I'll toss it to you first this time. What are sort of some of your initial thoughts about Jingle Jangle?
2: All right, let me quick turn off the soundtracks. I'm actually listening to it right now because that's it's so good. Um, You've been okay. listening
0: to it on repeat for a week, haven't you?
2: Dude, the music <laughs> in this movie is great. Okay, so yeah, basically this tells the story of, um, you know, Jeronicus Jangle, who's an inventor and toy maker and the owner of Jangles and Things. And his, unfortunately, one of his core creations gets stolen from him by his assistant, and uh then years later the assistant is now this big uh, corporate toy guy and poor the Jeronic- treacherous
0: gust of sin
2: yes poor geronicus <laughs> jangle is just struggling to make ends meet and the bank's gonna take it all away from him but then his granddaughter comes and through her inspiration they figure out how way to save um save the factory and create a great new invention that uh is a beautiful little toy robot that looks like wally and helps them fly yeah, and, that uh, like wally. <laughs> and, and along the way wally. <laughs> and along the way his daughter and him reconnect and they all learn the true meaning of christmas and uh and the music's fire so yeah that's jingle jangle uh, uh <laughs> i loved it i absolutely loved it
1: um yeah it was fun um the the opening number this day is just incredible I mean, I was, you know, they open with it and then they cut the closing credits with it and I played it again after I watched it and my wife and I were just like jamming because that's such a good, that song in particular just kills. And then the way that they put together that scene, um, going from inside to outside and it was just great. Um, I think that, you know, two things first, this film looks really good. You know, it's, it's the set design's great. The costumes are slick. The animation, you know, there's certain transitionary, you know, transition scenes that they utilize kind of this almost claymation-like animation. And that looks really good. Um, and so it looks good. It sounds really good. But I think perhaps the most important thing about this film, you know, look, America just now is finally coming around to minority representation, you know, in government, um, you know, in positions of power and leadership in America, and that includes in film. Um, Think about how many, you know, it's it's like the Disney princess, you know, think about how many Christmas classic films, you know, that include a mostly black cast. There aren't many. And the minority communities don't have many films, especially in holiday films or in animated films that you know, young black kids can watch, you know, and and have someone to be inspired by. You know, we talked about we talked about the impact of that with Black Panther and how culturally huge it was. And I have a feeling this movie um, is could have the same impact, you know, for, uh, you know, for the black community, because it's just not often we see that um, in a film like this. And I thought it was really cool um, that. You know, you have a black director, David Talbert and a mostly black cast. And I just think that, that, you know, we're needing more of that in Hollywood and we get that in this film. Yeah, definitely. So
0: I threw this movie on my, my wife loves watching Christmas movies. Now I, I wanted to watch a Christmas movie with her and i had heard good things about this. And I mean, Mike, I think you were the first person that I heard talking about it, but, uh, I just kind of threw it on with, with limited expectations and, I was blown away. I mean, th- this movie is so whimsical. It's it's such a fun story. I love the sort of storybook feel and setup that we get of sort of the story within the story of the lady telling her kids, the story of Geranicus Jangle, and it just sets it up so great. The music is great. The movie really knows how to capture the holiday feeling and the spirit of Christmas that makes christmas movies timeless and i feel like this movie has all that like the vibes just feel so classic christmas movie and i just love it and that's through the music which by the way i found out later all these musical numbers were written by john legend so if you're wondering why they're so freaking awesome that's why um but the music is just fantastic and in a movie like this the musical numbers, I feel like they add to the film, right? Like, if you watch it, I'm not a big musical guy. And if you watch musicals, and some of them are just like, they're kind of a slog to me sometimes, where like they're just throwing in these musical numbers and telling the story in a more complicated way than they have to. I didn't feel that way about this movie. I felt like the music added to the film. It added to the story. It didn't take away from it. They were wonderfully choreographed. Evan, you said you liked the this day number. I love the one when he's uh, I'm going to make it work at the end, mm-hmm. where they're cutting between that, and then you got the people like dancing out in the street about how he's going to make it work, and like just the the set pieces. Are amazing. It's like you're watching a a full-on Broadway show, but the set design is amazing. The production design, the costumes are colorful. It's sort of this like nondescript Victorian England flavor, but it really just feels like this timeless Christmas wonderland that has like an old fashioned vibe, but is clearly taking place in more of like a modern setting. I just think this movie nailed pretty much everything from a from an aesthetic standpoint.
1: Yes. I agree. My one criticism is just I thought the story was just kind of meh, you know. Impredictable. Yeah, exactly. That was my main criticism is, you know, the story. Um, But the look of it, the musical numbers, and again, I'll go back to it. You know, you've got representation and some of the the soundtrack. I mean, you have hip hop in there. I mean, it was like, I don't know, it was just cool. And, And you said it was classical, but I also felt like it threw in you know, a style to it that you wouldn't necessarily see in like the 1950s, all white cast Christmas film, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: No, I, I just mean like it has like a, like it feels like it has like a Christmas Carol vibe sure, to yeah. it
1: without yeah. actually being yeah like a
2: Christmas Which Carol. was
1: impressive. I liked that a lot.
2: I think also like, yeah, definitely certain points of the story did get a little bit too cheesy. But I mean, what was still strong though was the writing. Like, I mean, some of the doc- I was texting you guys, like some of the lines where I was like, Whoa, this movie is so great. Like two lines. I really loved. one is, is from one of the songs, which is the square root of impossible is me. And I was like, Oh man. And it's this little girl singing it. And it's like, it's really inspiring. Like you said, Evan, like it's really good to see representation in a Christmas movie. It's going to be especially good for kids. And just hearing like, a little girl sing that line out. is just like man like that just that just makes you feel so hopeful and inspired and just really happy to see art like this getting made other great line yeah is yeah when she's a girl they, too that yeah. i
1: mean you know that too it's all that
2: other great line is when she's talking about like this is the only place i feel like i belong and then a journey a child with an imagination <laughs> always belongs i was like oh my god Bro, that, like, the, those lines right were
0: freaking hitting me right in the field i know like, y- you talk about the you talk about like this movie you, you might some might call it melodramatic i call it in this case it this is what we want in a christmas movie we want it to have good messages we want it to to make us feel like in the writing you talk about like the motivations for for gustafson makes sense right like he yeah. feels like he's he's 's been dis he's been underappreciated and he feels like he for- his his idol forgot him on Christmas so he's he gets- persuaded by by this Ricky martin toy which even his motivations make sense like he wants to be original he doesn't want to be reproduced by the thousands if you're a, a toy who has this original programming you might feel that way like that all makes sense mm-hmm. within the within the story and just the fact that there's these messages about perseverance and the power of hope and belief that something can happen through like the toy doesn't work unless you believe in how Forrest mm-hmm. Whitaker has to come around to that through his daughter like or sorry his granddaughter and his daughter like it was just awesome like it was hitting me in the feels nonstop.
1: yeah <laughs> I I, you know yeah. obviously you're looking obviously individuality is another huge theme I'll be honest I, I, I hate to push back a little bit I felt like it was a little cheesy at times, and some of it worked, but some of it was just, I don't know. What's cheesy? I, what parts are cheesy? I mean, um, like the
0: stuff with Edison? Know, or some like of the, how some, we... of the,
1: some of the lines that, you know, melodramatic, some of the lines that Mike just listed off, they're fun, but I just, I don't know. I guess maybe... I don't know if it... it maybe but isn't it, that the point with a Christmas movie is to be cheesy to a certain extent? It is. It is. And look, I don't want to take away from this film. I think it's a great film, full-blown kids' family fun, fun film, you know? And for what it is, I thought it was amazing. You know, but there, you know, there's also... I, just, I feel like it was really catered towards family and kids, which is fine. Um, but we've seen you know, certain, even animated films, you know, Disney films where there's like some kind of, I don't know, more adult jokes and some more heavy, serious themes kind of snuck in. And I I think that I agree with everything you said about aesthetically. It was amazing. I just think, again, the story was a little meh, a little predictable and it was a little cheesy at times, but uh, you know, I'm not going to be that hard on it for that. It's a Christmas movie. That's what you want. And, um, and for the other reasons I already listed off, you know, I I really liked it. So, um, you know, do you guys have anything else you want to add? Oh, I, I got a little bit more. I, I so my main criticism,
0: yes, the story was predictable. You could see pretty much every every step coming. <laughs> you know, like we, I mean, we've seen a lot of movies. You can see sort of like where this movie was going pretty much right from the start. And then the other criticism I had is I I liked the young. Jangles more than Forrest Whitaker. I-, I thought that, like, the young Jeronicus Jangle had s- a ton of charisma and personality, and he was going at it. And then when his life, you know, came crashing down after Gustafson portrayed him, you know, I thought he handled that really well. And it- the transition from the young actor to Forrest Whitaker, I didn't think it was perfect. It seemed a little awkward. Like, there was, like, at the start of when Forrest Whitaker is coming on screen, like, I know he's supposed to be downtrodden and sad, but. I couldn't even understand him for a little bit. Like he's speaking so softly and like depressed. Like it was hard to understand him. He was sort of like whispering as he was acting. I thought he grew into the role as the movie went on. Like I thought it got better, but it was just a little bit jarring for me when they made that transition right off the bat. I didn't feel like it was like, I didn't feel like it was the same person. It got better as it went on, but at the start I was just like, eh, I wasn't really feeling it. But all in all the performances, like the, the lady who plays Mrs. Johnston, the male lady.
1: Oh my God. She was making me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, um, Madeline Mills, you know, who plays journey. I mean, great performance. I mean, great performance by her, you know, I mean, t- especially taking into consideration how young she is. Um, d- did you have any issues with anything, Mike, or was this just like you loved it start to finish?
2: Um, I think some of the, like some of the moments with Edison near the end when they're like trying to break out of that place got a little cheesy with me but you know like you said it's kid to kids and it's a Christmas movie. Yeah. I think all the Okay, here's here's what I'll say about Christmas movies. There there is a, there's deep human truths to why we all love Christmas and sometimes when those truths like are just embellished with a little too much glitter, we roll our eyes at them. But when they're just kind of like sauteed with the right amount of realism and (laughs) then a little bit of human empathy, it's like boom! This is why we all love and need Christmas. So I think there was there was
3: a dip, a dip of a dip
2: into the too far for the cheesiness just for the sake of let's hit all the Christmas like checklists. Uh, But yeah, like a very very tiny. I I give this movie an A minus. The minus just for those. Was a little dips, but overall, boom, solid Christmas hit. Well done, everyone involved. Uh, definitely enjoy this one with the kids and the family. This is this is a good Christmas movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and like I said, I, I, I uh, you know, I do think that representation is so huge, and I, I give them a lot of credit, you know, for yeah. for making a movie like this. That's one of the things that I think was for me was most impressive. I gave it a 7 and point, 7.5 out of 10. I didn't quite like it as much as as Klaus and I watched them in the same week. So, I just, you know, for, you know, I I think Klaus I gave a slight net, uh, nod to, but yeah, 7.5 out of 10 is still pretty good. And you know, some of the criticisms I have, yes, you're able to forgive it a little bit more if it's a Christmas film.
0: I love this movie, guys. Like I I love 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 this movie. I gave it a 9 out of 10, which is Pretty rare for me. I don't really hand out nines very often, but I thought for what it was, which is a a Christmas family musical extravaganza. I thought it nailed it. I mean, like I, I thought it nailed the musicals. Numbers were amazing. I love the, the Usher remix that plays over the credits of this day. uh, At the end, like I've been blasting that all week. This movie really, it comes down to, it just has so much heart. And I think it, it's a really sweet movie that captures the Christmas feel-good vibes really, really well. And I think that it's a movie that anyone can watch and feel good coming out of it. Yeah. And especially in this year, 2020, maybe maybe that has something to do with why I'm giving it such a good score. Because it does have flaws. But after me and my wife watched this movie, we looked at each other and we were like, that was amazing. Like, we had so much fun watching it. and. And I felt the same way. Like I was feeling tickled yeah. after I watched yeah. it. Like, yeah. and I'm not like a, I'm not like a warm and cozy person, as you guys know. But I was watching it, and I felt warm and cozy after watching it. I felt like I needed to roll up in a with some some pajamas and some hot cocoa and watch like Elf or something after, because I was just like feeling the vibes. I was feeling the Christmas spirit, and that's what this movie was going for. It was so whimsical, so fun. And I loved it. I give it a nine out of 10. It's my number
1: one movie of the year so far. So far, it's going to be your number one. Dang, that's, well, I mean, I know it's 2020. We haven't had nearly, nearly the new releases, but that's, uh, if, it, if it closes the year, which it very well could, given that, you know, it's December 3rd. Well, we have a lot
0: of, uh, we have a lot of Oscar contenders true, that are coming true. out. But
1: that's, these, yeah, so. I mean, that's. You know, I, it was, yeah, that's, that's big, but I I get it. You know, it was, a, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was, I think you're right. It was, it was a pleasant surprise. It kind of, you guys told me about it and my wife loves Christmas movies too. She loved it, you know, and was like, Hey, why not? And yeah, it's like, kind of comes out of nowhere. And Netflix has, a, has been having a few of those lately. So yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that's uh, Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey, uh, positive review from all three of us. It's, it's very accessible on Netflix. I would highly recommend uh, anyone check it out, anyone who's looking for a new movie. Would you guys say that it's fair to say that it, this movie could join the pantheon of Christmas classics?
1: Because I would.
2: I would, too, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's always hard to know, Right. <laughs> until they've joined the, the the Pantheon. But absolutely, I think it's a modern day, could be like one of those modern day classics for sure.
0: All right. Well, that's uh, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Second Day Film Podcast here on December 3rd. We appreciate you very much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed Mike's diatribe on uh, Bunt cakes and uh, cookies. And uh, am I missing anything else, Mike? What else do they make on that show? Do they make bread <laughs> that is buttery?
2: Uh, they made a big... <laughs> mistake with still letting a certain contestant go but i don't want to say which one but man it was a lot of uh, no spoilers
0: for the great british bake-off classic please uh, oh, we man. have we we don't want that but uh, again nice work fellows it was nice to talk to you as always um and we will talk again soon i'm sure Um, but, uh, please, please, please like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram, check out our old episodes on SoundCloud, on Apple podcasts, on Spotify. Please give us a rating review. If you can tell us, I mean, tell us if we suck too. tell us Mike's accent sounds more, you know, Scottish (laughs) than
1: English. If you want,
0: you know, we don't care. We can handle it. We have thick bones. We can handle it. Um, but we really appreciate everyone for listening and until next time, we'll see you at the movies.